what a January we're having. Don't know if it wants the snow. Don't know if it wants to rain. Don't know if it wants to melt the snow and then have ice. Don't know if it wants to be sunny. Doesn't know if it wants to be gray. Who knows? What I do know is sports are running rampant. A lot of awesome things happening. And this podcast is action-packed. Episode 316. We got a great guest. We got NFL postseason to talk about. We got putting in the work with everything local coaches, athletes, teams, programs they're doing. We got mix and match with national stuff. And we're going to throw in a little bit of movies with Keep It Rolling. With all that said, let's get right into the show. And man, 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 the NFL postseason has been wild just like the regular NFL season. Don't know who to pick to win. Don't know who's going to perform well. Don't know who's going to get hurt. I mean, it's like that every year, but it just seems like 2024 has been the most bizarre NFL season ever. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But in my eyes, where I'm sitting from, it has been insane. We already talked about the wild card games and things like that, but just to refresh your memory of how crazy it's been. So, wild card weekend, January 13th through the 15th. I picked Dallas to beat Green Bay. Green Bay won. I picked the Detroit Lions. Thankfully, they beat the Los Angeles Rams in a pretty good game. I picked the Eagles. The Bucks won, but that was a 50-50 game because the Eagles were atrocious at the end of the season. In the AFC, I picked Cleveland Browns. Houston Texans blew them out. I picked the Dolphins. Kansas City Chiefs won. I should have knew it's Patrick Mahomes. Maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. By the time he does retire, I mean, he's only six years in and he's already in that conversation. By the time he retires, he probably will be. I picked the Bills. Thankfully, the Bills beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was 2-4-6 in the wild card round. Then we go to the divisional round, which was last weekend, today being Friday, January 26th. So the divisional round was Saturday, January 20th, and Sunday, January 21st. I picked San Francisco to beat Green Bay. They did. I picked the Lions to beat Tampa Bay. They did, but that was a close call. I picked the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Houston Texans. They did. I picked the Buffalo Bills to beat KC because for some odd reason, I keep doubting Patrick Mahomes and I don't know why. I just don't know why. Don't know why. So I got three out of four correct there. So for the postseason right now, I am 5 of 10, 50%. That is an F. (laughs) That is awful, awful, awful. Not good, not good. This weekend, we got the conference championship games. AFC, Kansas City at Baltimore. You think I would learn my lesson. You think like, all right, I picked against Kansas City twice. They've won them both. I just for some odd reason think it's Baltimore's time. Their defense is phenomenal, top in the league. Lamar Jackson is playing awesome. He's got some weapons. They got a running game if they want to use it. And Gus Edwards Wide receivers, Zay Flowers has been playing phenomenal. Nelson Aguilar is good. Malik Cunningham's okay. They got this guy named Odell Beckham Jr. May have heard of him. Rashad Bateman may have heard of him. They got some weapons. They're doing their thing. Hopefully I'm not jinxing Baltimore by picking them to beat Kansas City, but I think this is their time. If Lamar Jackson is going to win a Super Bowl, this is the year for him to do it. Seriously. Kansas City's down in terms of their talent level all around. Of course, they'll always have Patrick Mahomes. He's not going anywhere. Travis Kelsey, you know, a couple defensive players, the line, you know, things like that. 
But in all terms of position players and things like that, this isn't the strongest Kansas City team ever. So, Lamar Jackson wants to win. This is your time. The NFC Championship game, Lions at San Francisco. Man, I don't know what it is about the Detroit Lions this year. I'm going Lions. I'm going Lions. I think San Francisco is the more complete team. But I hate the word luck, but just the way things have been happening for Detroit throughout the whole season, throughout the last couple years, my feeling, my heart is just going with the Detroit Lions. The offense looks good. The defense, man, if they can't stop the pass, they're going to be hurting. But, 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 I just think the Detroit Lions can do it. Those are my picks. Those are my picks. We'll see what happens. When I say my picks, I'm talking about me, Brandon Lachance, the host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you're listening to this episode, like I said, episode 316. You can catch them all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website, www.rss.com, backslash podcasts, that is with an S, it's plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The socials, you know we're there, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and X edge of your CP. If you want to hit me up on my personals, feel free. On Facebook, it is Brandon LaChance. Looks like L.A. Chance. Pronounce LaChance. Looks like L.A. Chance. And on X, it is at LaChance Writer. On all of those sites, Facebook, X, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and anywhere else you see Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Do all the things, the likes, the follows, the five stars, a million stars, the comments, all of those things that can help us move up the algorithms and also do what we're trying to do. And that is spotlight, highlight everything going on in Northern and Central Illinois. Much love and appreciation. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or dislike something I or a guest said, or you'd like to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Back to the love and appreciation to SIU brethren, Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the creation of the intro and outro beat heard on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which is brought to you by First State Bank. 19 locations in Northern and Central Illinois. Great people. They know what they're doing. Anything you need done financially, they help you. They can do it all. I've been banking with First State Bank since 2011, 13 years. And man, I'm not taking my money anywhere. It's staying right there. If you want a great financial institution to help you to hold your money, to do whatever you need, reach out to your local branch of First State Bank. Like the NFL, the Plano Christmas Classic is always hard to predict. 2024 saw Plano get to the championship game against Kalen. They had the lead, five seconds left. Kalen hits a three to take the championship away from Plano. Plano coach Kyle Key joined us to talk about the tourney, this tourney, and his Plano Reaper team, going into the final stretch of the regular season and, of course, the IHSA playoffs. Right now, the Plano Reapers are 10-11, and 11, so 10 wins, 11 losses, and they are 4-2 in the Kishwaukee River Conference. They are third behind Sandwich, which is 5-2, and, and Johnsburg, which is 7-0. Oh. 
We had also spoke to Kyle Key before the 2023 Plano Christmas Classic. So we spoke to him last year before the tournament happened, and we spoke to him this year just about a week or so ago, about two weeks actually, two weeks ago, after his team finished second in their tournament. So we'll hear the first chat first, so the 2023 chat, and then we will hear the 2024 chat right after that. Because the first part talks about the history, some moments that him and I remember, you know, kind of the cool background things and his background, who he is as a coach and things of that nature. And then, of course, the second chat is about this year's Plano Christmas Classic, this year's team, and what he hopes the Plano Christmas Classic did for his team going into the rest of the season. Can't remember which day, but we spoke somewhere in between December 30th and January 5th. Since we spoke, they lost to Morris 60-57 to in a close, close, close battle. Then they lost to Woodstock 42-39 to in another close, close battle. That was January 10th. On January 17th, they beat Harvard 77-33. to Then they followed that up on January 20th. They win against Richmond Burton, 50-39. On January 24th, just two days ago, they lost to Serena, 53-37. Tonight, they got another conference game against Woodstock North. So that's tonight, I believe, in just a few hours at 7 o'clock. It's around 4 o'clock trying to get this podcast to you before I go to Holy Cross's 7th grade regional title game against Peru Catholic. So that's tonight in Mendota. Lots of cool stuff happening in the world of basketball. Always, always, always. So like I said, our guest Kyle Key will have the first run, the first chat right before the Plano Christmas Classic in 2023. Gives the background, all the cool stuff about the tournament. And then this year, 2024, we spoke to him after the Plano Reapers finished second. And before we talk to Coach Key, we'll have Putting in the Work and Mix and Match. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB's Premier account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quilla loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Putting in the work, we got some postseason. Boys Bowling State started today. But the bowlers that are bowling today and tomorrow to try to win state championships had to get past the sectionals first. They were held January 20th to advance to the state tournament that is starting today. You had to be on a top six team or a top seven individual, not on an advancing team. All of Edge of Your Seat podcast 
coverage bowlers rolled at the Rockford-Jefferson sectional on Saturday, January 20th. Harlem won the sectional with a 63-46. Dixon, one of our squads, advances to state with a 59-77. Congratulations to the Dukes for advancing as a team to state. Mendota came in eighth with a 59-10. Geneseo with a 58-24 was 10th. Yorkville was 11th with a 58-20. And LaSalle, Peru was 15th with a 53-75. For Dixon, which rolled a 59-77 to take fifth in the sectional. Freshman Daniel Sotelo, 13-30. Junior Wyatt Miller, an 11-49. Junior Clark Bonnewell, 11-37. Junior David Lard, 9-22. Freshman Aaron Fisenko, a 7-65. And junior Cody Gell, a 5-21. We had three individuals not on Dixon that are also rolling in the state tournament. Mendota senior Landon Bauer, friend of Edge of Your Seat podcast, with a 13-82. Yorkville senior Thomas Booker with a 13-60. And Geneseo senior Landon Pruitt with a 13-30. The state tournament is held at the St. Clair Bowl in O'Fallon. So best wishes, do your thing, bowl the best you can, and get your name the most recognition. You know, that's what you want to do. Get some recognition, win a state title, get a medal, do all those things. Also on January 20th was the competitive dance sectional. There are no regionals for competitive dance, so this was the first playoff bracket, playoff event to try to get to the state meet, which is also today and tomorrow. At the Class 1A Jacobs, which is in Algonquin, the sectional, the Jacobs sectional, finishing third and advancing as one of the top six teams was Sycamore with a 78-33. In the 2A section of the Jacobs sectional, DeKalb advances with a 85-23. Their 85-23 was just shy of winning the sectional, which Grant from Fox Lake had an 86-07. 86-07, 85-23, that's cutting it close. At the Class 1A Fieldcrest sectional, Morris is the champ with an 87. They are going to state along with Streeter, which took second with an 80-30. Also competing at the Fieldcrest sectional, Hinkley Big Rock was 7th with a 75-50. Sterling was 8th with a 74-93. Fieldcrest took 9th with a 73-40. Kiwani was 10th with a 73-17. And Putnam County took 15th with a 64-30. In the 2A section of the Fieldcrest sectional, Ottawa advances with an 82-33. LaSalle, Peru took 7th with a 79-03. They just missed. The 79-03 trailed Triad 79-57, which took 6th and the last advancing spot to the state tournament. In 3A at the Fieldcrest sectional, Yorkville tied 4-8th with a 78-47. Congrats to all the dancers that are competing in this weekend state tournament. That's awesome. It is a sport. It is difficult. It's competitive. Do your thing. Thankfully, I haven't had to look for employment in quite some time because of my journalism career. 
which brings you this very podcast. However, if I was looking, I know where I would send an application and resume. Starve Rock Wood Products in Mendota. My brother-in-law and friends I've had for over 20 years work at SRWP. They tell me all the time about the manufacturer and everything the place offers them as employees and the product value offered to the customers. Starve Rock Wood Products, which makes cabinets, doors, trim, stairs, railing, and provides custom millwork, employs 130 people throughout the Illinois Valley and the surrounding areas. My friends always talk about the great benefits and vacation time, the ease of the four 10-hour days in production, the promotion opportunities within, and the fact SRWP has a job for absolutely everyone. After reaching out to the Blossoming Business for a story for a newspaper article, I found out Star Rock Wood Products underwent new management in 2023, and new president, Michelle Christ, VP Sales and Marketing, Steve Parisi, and Director of Operations, Tom Hayward, are excited to take the company established in 2014 to new heights. If you're interested in joining my family, my friends, and the new management team, check out the career page on StarRockWoodProducts.com, call 815-538-7797, or drop off your resume at 1501 Washington Street in Mendota. Mix and match a lot of stuff going on nationally, including the NFL coaching carousel, to say the least. It's like three or four carousels going on at the same time. Jim Harbaugh, somebody we've talked about on this podcast a lot over the last couple months. The problems with Michigan, the accusations. Then University of Michigan wins the national title. Then they're like, hey, we don't think he's going to stay here. He's probably going to find an NFL job. And he does exactly that. The Los Angeles Chargers hire Jim Harbaugh to coach them. I think it's a great hire. He's a great football mind. He's got a lot of things to prove, a lot of unsettled, unfinished business in the NFL as a top-tier head coach. I think he's going to crush it with Los Angeles. Justin Herbert is a top five, six quarterback without Jim Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh comes in and makes him a top one or two in the next year or so. I just think it's a good fit, a lot of talent there, good coach. They had bad, bad coaching this season, the last couple seasons. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to push them. I think he's going to challenge them and do what coaches do to make teams successful. Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, former Rams defensive coordinator, was hired by the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's a good move. He knows his football. He's been around forever. What he did with the Rams as a defensive coordinator, not a lot of people can do. Let's just see if he can hone his skills, do everything for a football team. And I mean, I think he's proven that he can. So we'll see. Carolina Panthers hired Dave Canellis. He was the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. He resurrected Baker Mayfield's career this past year, made him a viable quarterback. Let's see what he can do with Bryce Young in Carolina. Because Young needs somebody. He didn't look very good. The team was awful. Let's see if Dave Canales can change that. New England Patriots hired Jared Mayo. He was the New England inside linebacker coach. I know Mayo gets a lot of praise from New England, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, the fans. But you're stepping from inside linebacker. You weren't even the whole linebacker coach to a whole entire team. 
as a player for New England Patriots, he played defense. Don't know what he knows about offense. That is why you have offensive coordinators, but you're the final call. You make the final decisions. Timeouts, game management, time management, that's all on you. I don't know if he's got those skills. Not saying he doesn't. We'll see what happens with him being the lead man for the Patriots. Especially, you're the one taking over for Bill Belichick. That's a lot of pressure. That is a lot, a lot of pressure. Raiders hire Antonio Pierce. He was the Las Vegas linebackers coach. He's been around football for a while. But again, one unit, not even a whole defense, coached one unit. Now you got to do a whole team, both sides. Again, you got offensive and defensive coordinators, but there's just a lot of other stuff that goes with it. So we will see. Titans hire Brian Callahan. He was the Cincinnati offensive coordinator. Throughout his career, he's worked with Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow. He's still got to do the defense thing, just like I said about Jared Mayo and Antonio Pierce. But coming into the Titans job, he's worked with top-tier NFL talent, and I think that, you know, carries over. First of all, other players look at it like, hey, he helped this guy. He helped that guy. He helped this team win. He helped Cincy do things that nobody thought Cincy could do. He's got that tag with him. So a little more experience than the other two. You know, he did a whole offense, a great offense that we looked to shine when Joe Barrow was healthy. And guess what? It did. And that was because of him. Two names haven't heard pop up yet. Bill Belichick. Just talked about him in New England. He stepped aside. He's not getting a job as of yet. He's 71 years old. Obviously, he's a little older than everybody in the league. But not everybody in the league has six championships. Six Super Bowls. Six. Six. And I believe he went to nine. That's crazy. He owned the NFL for more than a decade. I know he's a little older. Maybe relating to the players. Not his cup of tea. But if they listen to him... He knows the game, obviously. He wrote the blueprint of what to do for football. Why not bring him into your team? I don't know. I don't know. Mike Vrabel, who is with the Tennessee Titans. I thought he got the shaft there. I think he's a great football mind. I think he deserves to be on a sideline as a head coach. Not a coordinator, a head coach doing his thing. If he had a little bit better talent in Tennessee, Mike Vrabel would have had really good winning seasons. Would have been in the playoffs every year. And when they did get there, would have been able to take him further. But he rode the back, or he had to ride the legs, not even the back, of one guy, Derrick Henry. So we'll see what happens with Vrabel and with Bill Belichick. Moving on to NBA coaches. Tuesday, January 23rd, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, fire Adrian Griffith. 30-13 and record. They're second in the Eastern Conference behind the Boston Celtics, and I believe it's like three or four games. Fire him. Like, what? Why are you firing him? Then they hire Doc Rivers. I could say a lot of stuff about Doc Rivers. Respect him as a player. Respect him as a man. Respect that he won an NBA championship in 2008 with the Boston Celtics when they had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and a host of really good role players for his style and for that team. Since then, a lot of letdowns constantly, constantly, constantly. And he's had star players and he's had great admins, great everything, and just constant letdowns. Everybody says it because it is true. I don't know what he can do with this Milwaukee Bucks team with two great players in Giannis Antetokounmpo and Dame Lillard. Then you got Chris Middleton, who could have been great, but injuries, his head game, 
Not consistent enough. Not great. He's okay. He's good. Role player. Third option for sure. But then after those three, Brooke Lopez, great defender, can get the ball in the bucket. But then it kind of dwindles down. They got rid of a lot of pieces or pieces left that were the strong back role player unit that you kind of have to have to win a championship. You can't go in with one, two, even three guys and think, hey, we got this championship. You have to have strong pieces all the way around. And I just don't think the Bucks have that. I, I really don't. Not for a seven-game series against some of these other teams. I just, I just don't. Especially the Boston Celtics, who do have all those role players. The guys that can knock down shots in clutch moments. The guys that will come up with defensive stops in clutch moments when they're not called upon, when they're not asked. Milwaukee doesn't have those guys. I, I still strongly feel that way. But I looked further into why Adrian Griffin got fired. I was just really curious. I looked up on CBS Sports, and they had a list of nine reasons of why Adrian Griffin was let go. Let's skim through these real quick. His assistant, Terry Slots, quit two weeks before the season started because of an incident with Adrian Griffin. They didn't see eye to eye. They already had a rocky relationship, so he pieces out. Just leaves his job two weeks before the season even starts. Giannis then draws plays on a board during an interview of some sort. Damian Lillard's getting talked to, and he's in the back drawing up plays with an assistant coach saying, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why aren't we doing this? National media. Then, they're 2-2, two and two, very beginning of the season. Awful defense. Awful, awful, awful. So the whole team, the entire team, calls an intervention to change defensive schemes. That's on the head coach. So they're calling the coach out. Then Giannis and Griffin are seen arguing during a game. Griffin tries to sub Giannis out. He was on the court, tried to get him out. Giannis sits on the table, doesn't leave, says, why am I going out? They're arguing. So then in the post-conference, Griffin says, hey, I just thought he needed a breather. He said he didn't. So I said, hey, wait till the next dead ball. Then he went in. I don't think that was the case at all. I watched the clip. No, no, no. Giannis didn't want to come out, so Giannis didn't come out. Except one play because he just stood there and you couldn't get him to move. Then, Giannis changes Griffin's game plan in the middle of the game. A close game, tight game. Griffin wants to go to Dame Lillard. Giannis says, hey, Chris Middleton has had the hot hand. Let's go to him. Doesn't even say anything to the coach. He changes the game plan during the game. The player became the coach during the game. Then, against the Bulls, I did watch this game. Caruso, Alex Caruso, one of my favorite Bulls, hits a three at the end of the game, sent it into overtime, end of regular playing period game, sends it into overtime. Milwaukee falls to the Chicago Bulls, which I was happy about. But then there's all this conversation about coaching plans and did Agent Griffin make the best move or not by not following Caruso to make him shoot free throws instead of chucking up a three that tied the game, and then eventually the Chicago Bulls win. In-season tournament, Bucks fell apart. Giannis then saying, needs to be better coach in an interview, national interview, saying that the Milwaukee Bucks need a better coach. Then right after that, in an interview with Adrian Griffin, he lets out a nervous laugh, like a, a weird, <sighs> yeah, maybe they do need to be better coached. Then two weeks later, which was January 23rd, they let him go. So, 
Although there's all the shock and like, man, they're just going to fire their coach that got them a 30 and 13 record. They're second in the Eastern Conference and we're going to let them go. And I'm like, man, that's kind of crazy. Why? Well, this is why. And it all makes sense. It also shows is Giannis becoming a problem? Is Giannis becoming that guy that is dictating and going through coaches at a rapid rate and maybe players too? He wanted Drew Holiday gone. Yes, this is legit. Drew Holiday leaves and, you know, bring in Dame Lillard. But in that deal, you also lost a lot of other pieces and stuff. And is he trying to control and manage the team and coach the team and do way too much that star players never should do? I've always been that guy that says, you're a player, play the game. Let everybody else do what they're doing. Taking point, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, great player, the best, the GOAT. Wanted to argue with Jerry Krause about things. Jerry Krause gets mad, starts pulling pieces after, at that point, after five championships, one three-peat, keeps the team together for one more year, and then starts dismantling. Let the GMs, let the guys that are hired, that that's their life work to put together a franchise, let them do that. Because what you're going to do is, what Giannis is kind of doing, is setting himself apart from his coaches, from his team, And trying to be that guy that maybe he isn't. Just saying, just play the game, Giannis. You're a great player. Just play the game. And honestly, a lot of people are saying you're overrated. So now, like we see with certain players, when you put that spotlight on other things like you're doing right now and causing drama and causing issues, James Harden, we thought he was amazing until some of the background stuff started coming out. Kawhi Leonard, same thing. Now it's happening to Giannis because he's doing these things that he doesn't even really need to do. And the Milwaukee Bucks have been through six head coaches since he's been there. Even the guy that won the first title in like 60 years for the Bucks with Giannis, Giannis somehow got Milwaukee to get rid of him. Mike Budenholzer, who's a great basketball mind that helped put together that team and well coached the team. He's gone. And now they can't find a coach they like. And I don't think Doc Rivers is the dude. If you're a baseball fan, you might be happy with the MLB Hall of Fame inductees being named. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Jim Leyland, and Joe Maurer inducted or named to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. If you don't know, you need 75% of the writers' votes. Writers are the ones that get you in the Hall of Fame. You know, they look at your resume, your playing style, things of that nature. In 2024, of course, PEDs, Mitchell Report, all that kind of stuff. So those are the four names that are in. This is who did not get in. Gary Sheffield, it was his 10th and final year. So you have to wait five years after you retire. And then you got 10 years to be on the ballot. And then you're pushed off if you're not voted in. Gary Sheffield in year 10 got 63.9%. Like I said, he needed 75 And that is because of PEDs. He was connected to the Mitchell Report and, of course, PEDs. So they didn't vote him in. Bobby Wagner just missed it in his ninth year of eligibility with 73.8%. Andrew Jones, Carlos Beltran missed it as Andrew Jones had 61.6%. Carlos Beltran, 57.1%. Those are the only guys that had over 50% of the vote. If you have less than 5% of the vote, you are gone. You're erased from the ballot. That is Jose Batista, Victor Martinez, 
Bartolo Colon, Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Reyes, James Shields, and Brandon Phillips. Also receiving some kind of votes, but not getting there. Alex Rodriguez in his third year of eligibility, 34.8%. PEDs is probably going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez, the same thing. He's only got two more years left as this was year eight of eligibility. He received 32.5%. So the guys that did get in, let's talk about them. Adrian Beltre, Dominican born, and he is the fifth member of the Hall of Fame that comes from the Dominican Republic. He was a third baseman, played 21 years in the MLB, Los Angeles Dodgers, Seattle Mariners, Boston Red Sox, and Texas Rangers. Won five gold gloves. He hit 3,166 times. Woof! And had 477 home runs. That's quite impressive. Joe Maurer, the catcher from Minnesota Twins, played all 15 years of his career there. He won batting titles for the American League in 2006, 2008, and 2009. He's the only catcher in history to win three batting titles for his league. He was also the AL MVP in 2009. Had a batting average of 306, 2,123 hits, 143 home runs. That is fantastic for a catcher. Catchers are not known to be offensive juggernauts, and this guy could swing the bat. Only Johnny Bench and Ivan Rodriguez got in on their first ballot. Now Joe Maurer joins them. Only three catchers ever in the history of the MLB first ballot Hall of Famers. Todd Helton was Colorado Rockies first baseman for his entire career. His percentage kept going up in 2022. 52% of the writers voted for him to get in. Obviously not good enough. 2023 was 72.2. And in 2024, 79.7, like I said, to get him into the Hall of Fame. He had a 316 batting average, 2,519 hits, 369 home runs, 1,406 RBIs, and three gold gloves. Quite, quite the career. Congrats to Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Jim Leyland, who was the manager for the Detroit Tigers when they had a really, really good team with Prince Fielder and all those guys. And he had a long career as well. So congrats to them. I know they're listening, and they're thanking me right now for their congratulations. Then, all kinds of stuff going on with Vince McMahon. WWE's Vince McMahon was the owner, CEO, all that stuff. Now, as TKO, the company, has purchased WWE, owns UFC, put them together, one company. Vince McMahon is the executive chairman, board of directors. However, on Thursday, yesterday, January 25th, a lawsuit by Janelle Grant accuses Vince McMahon of sexual assault, trafficking, and physical abuse. Grant worked at WWE headquarters. I believe she was in accounting, uh, things of that nature, like the financial aspects. She alleges that Vince McMahon promised her a job and promotions in the WWE for sex and had her do sexual favors for other people. This comes after a year ago, the WWE appointed an investigation on Vince McMahon's behavior. So they've already been looking into him. 
already think that he's been doing stuff dirty or wrong or inappropriate. And now there's this giant lawsuit from Janelle Grant. I don't know what to think. I mean, people do bad things, wrong things, especially money, power. You know, there's all kinds of things, intangibles here. There's also people that misconstrue things or lie or things of that nature. I'm not calling anybody a liar. Not doing that. Vince McMahon has also been known as a guy that could maybe do these things. I don't know. Not a lawyer. I'm not a prosecutor. I'm not a defender. I'm not any of that stuff. Not a judge. I am just saying we will see where this court case goes. I have no thoughts on it. I mean, you're innocent so you're proven guilty, right? That's what we're supposed to think, even though in our social media world that we're in, it's more like guilty until proven innocent. I am not saying he did anything. I'm not saying Grant did anything wrong either. Don't know. We will find out as the court trial court cases, everything goes on here. We shall see. This is going to be crazy for the wrestling world, the TKO business model in general. Does Vince McMahon stick around? Do they fire him? Does he resign? What happens here? We all know Vince McMahon doesn't need the money. He doesn't. Well, maybe now if he's got a crazy lawsuit above or he goes to prison, who knows? But, 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 in terms of having a job, he doesn't really need it. He has cemented himself as a legend, an icon, as a businessman, as a wrestling promoter, as a wrestling wrestler, as everything in WWE. CEO, owner, all these other things, now chairman of the board for TKO. He's already done all that. But you got to handle your affairs and what you're doing here, man, because it is all bad light. If these things come out as true... I won't look at Vince McMahon the same ever, 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 ever. It's wrong, bad, dirty, not supposed to do those things. Sure, you got money. Sure, you got wealth. Sure, you got power. But you don't abuse it. You can't use it like that. Can't, just can't. Speaking of TKO, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, joined the board of directors. And as he said in his, I want to say tweet, but his X post or his post on X, he's now the head of the table direct shot to Roman Reigns as we're getting ready for the Royal Rumble tomorrow, January 27th. That is my all-time favorite wrestling event, and this one should be really good. I don't even know who to pick as a winner. I want to say CM Punk. I want to say Cody Rhodes. I want to say that storyline, they throw off an oddball because The Rock's not going to be in the Royal Rumble, but I know they want to set up The Rock and Roman Reigns for World Heavyweight title at WrestleMania. That's the big show. That's the big one. Roman Reigns, The Rock is a dream match. And The Rock wants to wrestle. They want to set that up. So what if they have an oddball, like a, not even an oddball, but somebody that you don't think is going to come win Royal Rumble and then beat Roman Reigns. So I don't think Drew McIntyre will do that. Or a Kevin Owens or a Randy Orton, somebody on that stage. Randy Orton 5, 10, 15 years ago, yeah, he could win and totally take it from Roman Reigns. I just don't think he's at that point in his career right now. Brock Lesnar, I don't think that's happening at this moment. We shall see. I think that they're going to give it to a guy like that instead of a Cody Rhodes who you think could win. Instead of a CM Punk who you think could win. Just think that they might throw a screwball here and then set up another pay-per-view where Rock comes in and takes that title chance. That is my prediction. I think that could happen because I know they want to set up The Rock and Roman. Why not? I want to see it. So do it. Somehow. Somehow. 
Also with WWE. A lot of WWE storylines in the news lately. WWE and Netflix announced in 2025 they are going to start a streaming deal for Raw. So Raw is going to be on Netflix. A 10-year deal, $5 billion. There hasn't been anything said about, you know, Peacock has got all WWE's files right now. They got what was originally the WWE Network is now on Peacock. Don't know if that's staying. I think they still have a contract for a few years. After that, who knows if it shifts over to Netflix. I mean, Netflix would love that. Obviously, that's money for them. $5 billion for 10-year deal for Raw on Netflix. Whew. USA Network might be nothing after that. Are you ready to make the most of your new gadgets? Then you need Surf Fiber Internet, the fastest fiber internet in the area. With Surf Internet, you'll enjoy equal upload and download speeds. No buffering, no data limits, and no contracts. Plus, you'll get the best local customer service around. Don't miss this amazing offer. Plans start at just $35 a month. Visit surfinternet.com or call 1-833-544-2982 today. Surf Internet, the ultimate internet experience. Let's do a quick keep it rolling. Not that I don't want to talk about movies, but, 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 want us to get to Kyle Key talking about the Plano Reapers boys basketball team and, of course, the Plano Christmas Classic and the shift from the Interstate 8 Conference that they were in last year and a few years before that, okay, a lot of years before that, to what they are now, the Kishwaukee River Conference. So, a lot of things to hear from Kyle Key right after we get done with Keep It Rolling. First movie on the list. So we'll talk about five movies. I'll rank them on the spot. I did not rank them before I pushed the record button. I'm going to rank them on the spot. And this one might be tough. There's a lot of good titles here, and I enjoyed all five of these selections. First, Fast and the Furious 3, also known as Tokyo Drift, or Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, also known as the third Fast and the Furious. No really well-known names. You got Bow Wow. If you were a fan of rap in the early 2000s, might know who he is. I, of course, am, so I did know who he was. Lucas Black has been in a few shows, few movies. And then the one name that continues on through the series that's in this movie is Sung Kang, who plays Han. So if you know Han from Fast and the Furious, this is where he makes his debut in Tokyo, in Tokyo Drift. What I do like about this movie is it's different than the other Fast and the Furious movies. All the big name stars, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez. Later on, The Rock, Jason, I call Mimosa, but Jason Momoa, John Cena, Jason Statham. None of those guys are in this movie. None of them. It is the names that I said, a Lucas Black, a Bow Wow, and Han Sung Kang. But it's still really good. The plot was cool. You got Lucas Black who wants to race and he's uh, kind of gets in trouble in school and he gets shipped. He was with his mom and his mom ships him to Tokyo to be with his dad and like, hey, you're not going to race. You're not going to get in any trouble. Well, you tell a teenager who's in high school not to do things, he's going to do it. And even though I said none of these big stars are in it, the very, very end of the last couple seconds, Vin Diesel makes a cameo appearance just to be like, hey, it's still Fast and the Furious. Coming to America is the second selection. From 1988, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, James Earl Jones, Eric LaSalle, Samuel L. Jackson, 
I mean, at this time, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, huge stars. James Earl Jones has made his mark. You know, the voice of Darth Vader, been in tons of movies. Eric LaSalle, kind of on the rise. Samuel L. Jackson had a mini part as a, I think, a burglar, a stick-up man in the restaurant. McDowell's, not McDonald's. Sherry Headley was the main lady that Eddie Murphy was at to make her his queen. It was a great idea for a movie. Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall are in a different country. Arsenio Hall is actually Eddie Murphy's like right-hand man, his like butler servant guy. They're in Zamunda. And Eddie Murphy's like, hey, I don't want to be set up with these people that I don't want as queens. This woman's not my queen. That's how it starts off is like they're in a wedding for him that was set up through, you know, king to king. Like, hey, here's my son. Here's my daughter. Let's link them up so they can carry our family lineage. Eddie Murphy's like, nah, I want to go to America. I'm going to find a way. And that's what he tries to do. It's very funny. Lots of epic scenes, lots of epic lines, a movie that I've seen a million times that I will probably watch a million more. Nice Guys from 2016 is the next flick on our list. Ryan Goslin and Russell Crowe. Two of my favorites at the moment. I really like Russell Crowe and everything that he's in. I say at the moment because he's still in movies, but The Gladiator was, you know, 1990s and still one of my favorite movies. Anyway, the movie is about a 1970s investigation. There's a missing girl. There's a dead porn star. And it's funny. Ryan Goslin and Russell Crowe work really well together. And they get to the bottom of it. Fear from 1996 is the next pick. Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon, Alyssa Milano all look like they're 10. <laughs> Just, you know, that's the early versions of them in movies and they all did a good job. It was cool. Mark Wahlberg is a crazy psychotic killer. Reese Witherspoon is the love struck young lady that lets Mark Wahlberg in her life. Alyssa Milano is Reese Witherspoon's best friend who kind of leads them together and then is like, oh my gosh, what is happening as Mark Wahlberg is trying to kill everybody. And the final selection of this list, Sandlot, 1993. There's no reason to say the actors, but we must say the characters. The Jet, Smalls, Squints, Yeah Yeah, Ham, Repeat. There's a couple that I probably forgot, but I did this all off of memory because this is an iconic, iconic, iconic sports movies for kids in 1993 and adults in 1993. This is still one of those movies that, like, man, if you haven't seen this, go watch it right now. One of my favorite scenes in movies of all movies, doesn't matter what movie it is, one of my favorite scenes of all time is when Squints fakes drowning in the pool and the lifeguard, who is an older woman, not like old, but like high school age, and he's in like junior high or elementary school, she's a lifeguard. He wants to kiss her. He's like, hey, guys, watch this. Goes into the pool, fakes drowning. She pulls him up, goes to give him CPR and kisses him. His lips turn red. He starts smiling. The best, I don't even want to call it a prank. It wasn't a prank, but the best facade, the best way to get a girl to kiss you. That was epic. Loved it as a kid. Love it now. And man, I wish I would have thought of that idea. So let's rank them. These, this is going to be tough. This is going to be super duper duper tough. Uh, I liked all these movies. So even five is really not a five. If it was in another grouping, it might be a one or a two, you know, something like that. But let's do this. We're going to go five fear. Good movie. 
just a little out there. Mark Wahlberg is a killer. At that age, actually, I kind of buy it. He had the black shirt on, you know, he's kind of built. I mean, it's Marky Mark. Kind of built, looked like a killer. Reese Witherspoon and Alyssa Milano look so crazy young. It's funny to see them that young. Same thing with Mark Wahlberg. But anyway, solid movie. Just going five because I like the rest of these better. Four, I am going to go Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Solid plot, good movie. I like that none of the big stars were in there. Sort of kind of connected, but didn't connect the rest of the Fast and the Furious series. And I like the beginning Fast and the Furious better because it's got that like cult feel, the uh, underground type stuff instead of a major blockbuster movie. So I like it. It was cool. Han, a character that I loved in Tokyo Drift. And of course, he carries on. So Tokyo Drift, number four. Number three, I'm going to go nice guys. It was cool. Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, like I said, were really, really well together. They're funny. It was a cool movie. I like the idea of it too. It was something different, something new. Number two, this is tough. Coming to America or Sandlot. I don't know if I win either way, but we're on the spot instantaneously here. I'm going Sandlot number two, coming to America number one. Eddie Murphy is great. That is his best movie in my opinion. I like the storyline. He's a prince, needs to find a queen or a princess for him. You know, all these different things. It was so funny. I got to go coming to America number one, Sandlot number two. But man, it's a 1A, 1B type of situation because Sandlot is so great on so many levels. But that's where we're going. One, coming to America. Two, Sandlot. Three, nice guys. Four, Tokyo Drift, Fast and the Furious style. And five, Fear. The interviews we are about to hear with Kyle Key. Yes, one person, two interviews. One, before the Plano Christmas Classic in 2023. And the second chat is after the Plano Christmas Classic in 2024. We get a double take with Coach Kyle Key of the Plano Reapers boys basketball team. Brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. General manager and sales manager Jason Hintz is just as dedicated to partnering you with your dream vehicle. Plus, he has the assistance of Caitlin Henry, who joined the staff in July. Need a good on-gas mileage, long-distance work car? Jason and Caitlin got you. Need a bigger vehicle to get your little athlete to practice or games? They got you. Need a big, tough truck for equipment and construction sites? They got you. Mendota Ford has your vehicle for your needs. And right now, Mendota Ford is offering 0% interest for 48 months on all new 2024 edges. Qualified buyers, of course. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track down your new ride and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. And you can always call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you will receive $100. Wow, what an intro. We talked about a lot. Now we have a lot to talk about with Coach Kyle Key. 
Hopefully you have a great weekend. It is Friday, January 26th. Have a great one. Make wise decisions. Keep following sports. Keep listening to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Until next time, peace. I don't think there's any better way to break the ice with somebody that you don't know, that you've never spoken with before, than ask if they like strawberry banana smoothies. I am drinking one right now, and it's delicious. Coach Kyle Key with the Plano Boys basketball team. Do you like strawberry banana smoothies? Uh... Yeah, I'm not a big smoothie guy. I'm more of a meat and potatoes type of guy. But uh, uh, as long as there's no, I'm not a fruit guy. I don't like big chunks of fruit. So uh, as long as it's, you know, ground up pretty good and blended pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. Well, this one is from McDonald's because I am in Mendota and your options are, are limited. But uh, <laughs> So you don't have to worry about chunks of fruit because, I mean, it's McDonald's. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Key, thanks for joining us. Now we can talk about, you know, whatever we want to, including your basketball program. Off the air, right before I pressed the record button, I told you I have a lot of connections with the Plano Christmas Classic. So when I think of Plano, just in general, somebody says Plano, even though there's a Plano molding company in Mendota, things like that, I instantly think boys basketball, Plano Christmas Classic, every time I hear the word Plano. Yeah, it's a pretty good thing to be known for, I think. I know we enjoy it. It's always a whole lot of fun. We get a lot of people from our community in, and it tends to be all kind of the same people, and it's it's people that you don't see, like, for most of the year, and then you see them for four straight days all day. It's definitely a special time uh, for us around here. We hope everybody enjoys it and want it to be a great experience for the kids, and, uh, you know, we try and take care of, of media and coaches, and, well, you know, those are the people putting all the work in, so... You know, we've had a bunch of different local teams in, and, and it seems to always be one or two are out, and then two more coming in. So we've had uh, yeah, Mendota's been in for, for quite a long time. We've had some pretty good battles with them over the years. It's always fun. I mean, we always get top players in the state, uh, it seems like, and uh, you know, our semi semifinal and finals night are always you know, the gym is completely packed, and uh, it's really exciting and fun to see our gym like that and that quality of player and teams playing in it. Most definitely. I know you're talking about Mendota teams. I was there when they either won or they were in the final. It had to be like 2015 or 16, James Carroll. I know Joe Lachance has the most points in a game, I believe. I was there for that. And then I see... Yeah, the- we don't want to talk about who they were playing against. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think he, uh, I don't know, how many did he have? Do you, do you know? It was 45 or 46. Yeah, it was something. I think he had at least half of them from the free throw line. So, yeah, that's one I don't forget. I'm waiting for somebody to break that record uh, just so we're not on the other end of it. But he had a great night that night. But, yeah, so some of those, I mean, you know, we have a guy, uh, Greg Gould, who does all our stats and everything for it, keeps records from every single one, and, just to, to have some names and, and you, you know you have a great night in that tournament and your name's going to be up there for a while that's pretty cool you know with some of the other names that have been in this tournament you know to say you've scored you know more points in the game than uh some of the some d1 kids and some some guys that are playing in the nba even and uh you know that's that's pretty special i also remember the battles between LaSalle, peru and dixon when uh NBA player Isaiah Roby was still with Dixon. Those were crazy games as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, they ended up playing in like a regional or sectional too. And yep, I was there I for that game as well. I think the championship game was those two, and it went to overtime, I believe. Three overtimes. Um, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I seem to remember that. And LP hit a three, like Steph Curry range, to win the game. I know, we played them early on that year. I don't think we played Dixon that year, but that LP team was just special. Just so good. I mean, anytime you can beat a team with a guy that ends up in the NBA, you know, you have a pretty special team. But it seems like, you know, that's that's what a lot of stories from our tournament. Like, you know, when they have great teams, part of their story is always our Christmas tournament. You know, when something special happens at it. I mean, you know, I mean, to, to win this tournament, you have to be really good and get some luck and stay healthy. Uh, we had Marmion this year who looked really, really good and then had some injuries and ran into Burlington Central at the end. And everybody seems to have good Christmas tournament stories and how it shaped their team. And, uh, even like teams, you know, that, that aren't winning it, you know, we've we've used it as a pretty good springboard into the second half of our year where maybe we'll struggle in that first game and then we'll go on the consolation side and put some wins together and really get ourselves going. You know, that's how we've used it a lot. You know, we'd like to be in that winner side, but uh, when you look at those teams that are in the winner side of our tournament, uh, you got to be good to be there. And uh, and when you're good, it's it's fun to play those other really good teams. I was always curious about this, especially with you guys at the Plano Christmas Classic. When you're hosting a tournament that is to this magnitude, I mean, anybody in Illinois, doesn't matter whether it's northern, central, southern, know about this tournament, and a lot of outside of our state. So when you've got a tournament that is this big, is there pressure for players on that team or the coach to host it, to bring everybody in and thinking like, hey, you know, we have this every year. The odds of us winning every single year are not, you know, very favorable to us. So they're going to come into our gym and win our tournament. You know, we're going to do our best to, you know, win it, but it's not always going to happen. Is there the pressure or things like that hosting this? Uh, I don't think so. You know, our uh, athletic department does such a good job of pretty much running it. They, you know, it keeps me kind of, you know, I'm definitely in the loop for sure. But once the tournament kind of happens, uh, really all I do is focus on our team. And, you know, we're always kind of, you know, when we bring in teams, like we've had Pure and Notre Dame, uh, who's going to be leaving, uh, who won't be coming back uh, next year. But when you got teams like that, and obviously Central, and you, you look at it and it's like, you know, maybe we're, we're not at that quite that level we've had good teams we've been competitive um we've never won it which is always uh on the top of our everybody always has to bring that up but in the last you know 20 even 30 years i mean you look at some of the teams like we said like haven't won it you have to be a really special team you know in the late 90s there when we got fourth in the state i believe we got fourth in the christmas tournament (laughs) so um you got to be good and you got to get some luck and you got to make plays, you know, with a packed gym, and it's tough. Definitely is. How long have you been with the Reapers now? This is my 10th year as a varsity coach. I was a sophomore coach for, shoot, I don't know, <laughs> a while before that as well. So also went to Plano, graduated from here. So I'm a full Reaper and glad to see what this program's kind of built into. I mean, Reaper basketball was never really thought of uh, very highly. And, uh, you know, you go back to the seasons, I mean, we, we weren't very successful. And when Brett Moore came in and, and I was his assistant, uh, he was here for four years, I believe. And, and we kind of turned it around, changed a lot of things. And then he went on to coach at Hinsdale South, and then I got the job. So we've kind of adapted it to our style of play, and it, 
it changes obviously from year to year with with uh, players but you know we've kind of turned it into the a team that that people uh, have respect for you know playing the game and that's what we want to do we want to we want to be a top team uh it's going to be interesting now we're moving into this new conference uh next year really losing some really good rivalries that we've built up in the side eight you know with ottawa and caneland and, and teams like that lp of course um you know morris so it's uh it's gonna be an adjustment for us we're hoping that you know we're, we're obviously be playing some smaller schools so you know we're hoping that we can uh, definitely compete for championships uh in that conference uh we've competed definitely in for boys basketball and in the i8 for the conference but um, a lot of our other sports are struggling but we're, we're hoping that this uh, this move can give our kids a lot more chances to succeed I love when my guests do the transitions for me. I was just thinking like, hey, get the words together to move into the new conference, and you beat me to the punch. I love it. I mean, you can come on and be a host of Edge of Your City Podcast anytime you want to, Coach Keith. <laughs> no problem. I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> that was awesome, though. So, yes, Plano, how long have you been in the Interstate 8 Conference? It's been a long time. We've been in the Interstate, I think it's since it started. You know, we were with uh, the teams from the, the ICE Conference, whatever that's called, the Illinois Central 8. We split off from them, us and Sandwich. See, it's been five, six years, I think, now. Uh, maybe not that long. So we came into this new conference with much bigger teams. And so, you know, it's uh, and now we're moving on. We're going to have a lot of long bus trips. Uh, but um, it's a little more schools our size. We've been definitely competing with schools that, you know, Kalen's almost, you know, double our size and Ottawa's double our size. So we've been carrying the torch of the I-8 for a while and we're going to leave that conference behind. And, you know, they're going to be a little short right now. Going to have to figure out what they're doing conference-wise. Things change and, and this is the world we live in where, where everybody's kind of moving conferences around and trying to find the best situation for their kids. So, uh, you know, we feel this is the best move for us and, and our kids. So, and we'll see how it works. It's almost like Plano and Sandwich are like sibling schools or something, because now you're both moving to this new conference, and the new conference is a Kishwaukee conference, or what's the name of it? Yeah, Kishwaukee River. Kishwaukee uh, yeah, River Conference. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's up there with, uh, you know, we got Woodstock, Woodstock North, Harvard, Richmond, Burton, Johnsburg. So then they're uh, all leaving the Interstate Eight to go to this conference. Uh, no, just us and Sandwich are leaving. Well, isn't Woodstock and Woodstock North in the Interstate 8? Yes. No, no, no. They're in the KRC. We cross over for football. Okay, that's where I was getting confused. I was like, well, I know yeah. Ottawa, LaSalle, Peru, they both played Woodstock and Woodstock North in yep. their conference games. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, they do They do crossovers. I think that's continuing at least for this year. You know, we'll see. You know, football kind of. Uh, you know, it's always kind of drives conference moves, but yeah, we've been doing a crossover with them. I think that kind of started the relationship with a lot of those schools and, and they really wanted us and sandwich to come up, you know, and with sandwich, uh, you know, their enrollment has, has, has dropped a little bit. You know, they were definitely really struggling, uh, in the I eight and, and they, they moved first. And then, um, our board made the decision, uh, I believe it was Monday officially to, uh, to move with them and yeah we're we're kind of with sandwich uh you know obviously being so close to each other such a great rivalry uh it's crazy how much people hate each other that live a mile away but uh yeah we're, we're going with them and 
we're gonna have some long bus trips except for you know we'll have a conference game at sandwich which is always fun and exciting i like when at least your closest rival moves with you i mean we like you said we see conference changes pretty much every year now in the reformations of things and i've seen it with mendota mendota was in the ncic forever they go to the big northern conference and lost all the rivalries because every game was like an hour away, Winnebago, Stillman Valley, Byron, all these other places like that. And they lost so much fan support. Nobody wanted to travel, or at least not that far, for every single away game. And then you see something like LP and Ottawa moving from the Northern Illinois Big 12 to Interstate 8. And it's worked for those two squads and, you know, formed rivalries with different other schools. So you, you kind of see the mix and match of the good and evil with the changes. But I like it when the top rival that you have in your conference, if you're going to move, they move with you. Yeah, I think that's that was a, a big deal for us. Um, I think, uh, you know, if Sandwich doesn't make that move, I'm not sure that it, that it works out for us very well. But, you know, yeah, we've always been so linked together. We definitely want to continue our relationship with Sandwich. And it's been great for so many years, so many great games and stuff like that. Uh, it's going to be a challenge, you know. I I look at it uh, just for boys basketball. I mean, it, it's so much bigger than just boys basketball, but um, just boys basketball. It's going to be, you know, we're going from you know playing at LP and Ottawa and uh, Morris and, and you know Sycamore and Rochelle. These these are pretty good basketball plays, and they're fun places to play. I don't know much about this new conference, and I don't think I've been to a game up there in any of them. So just going from you know, playing in Kingman Gym in Ottawa to now way up north where we don't really know what the attendance is going to be and how many people we're going to bring and hopefully not a letdown. Uh, hopefully we can keep those teams on our schedule because, uh, like I said, for, for basketball, for boys basketball, we've uh, we've created pretty good rivalries with Ottawa and LP and those team Morris, obviously, Caneland. Uh, so, you know, we're going to try and keep them on our on our schedule. I don't know what to expect with these new teams. Uh, I've only seen a couple films on them. It's going to be interesting to how we're going to scout. not a big fan of driving an hour and a half to go scout somebody, but uh, we'll do whatever we have to do, and I'm sure we'll start generating some new rivalries up there and hopefully keep some of the ones that we have right here. And although change is normally conceived as negative, I mean, it's kind of cool, like, say, a sophomore or junior you know, they'll be there next year, and it's different competition. It's different people. You're not seeing the same faces or going to the same environments all the time. So it might be cool at the same time. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a change that we're going to have to adapt to. I know for me, as uh, I'm getting to be an older coach, I guess, that uh, those bus rides are, are not as fun. You know, being on a bus for, uh, you know, three hours a night uh, doesn't sound too good. But uh, I definitely know it's not about me, so... Coaching-wise, it's, yeah, I mean, we don't know really know anything about those teams. They probably don't know much about us. Just getting to know some different coaches, you know, I think that's something that, you know, you when you're in a conference, you, you generate relationships with coaches and you see them so much that you get to know them. And, uh, and that's part of it, too, is just knowing that I'm not going to see, you know, those coaches, you know, at least twice a year. Some of them are in our Christmas tournament. And we're going to Ottawa for Thanksgiving, so, so that helps out, but... You definitely don't have the same conversations if you're not in the same conference. So just getting to know new people and figure out how people do things and, you know, see how they play basketball way up north in Illinois. Well, I'm excited for you guys. 
I mean, I'm going to miss you in the Interstate 8. I covered a lot, you know, paying attention to you guys. Obviously, Ottawa, LaSalle, Peru, Camelin, Rochelle, you went through the gambit. I pretty much cover, pay attention to all these schools. Not as many in the new conference that you're going to, except you guys in Sandwich. So, you know, I am going to be, you know, all eyes on this conference and seeing what you guys are doing so I can learn it as well. But I'm excited for you guys and, you know, the new path to Plano basketball, even though you already have a pretty predominant program in place. So thank you for chatting with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, some memories of the Plano Christmas Classic. My nostalgic brain is still rattling through players and interviews and games and uh, the hospitality room and everything else at Plano. So thank you for sharing stories and, you know, talking about your program with us. Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks. Anytime, I, you know, I can talk about, you know, our kids and our program and our tournament. It's always, it's always fun, and everybody's always interested about it. So, yeah, just let me know whenever, and uh, and I'm, I was happy to be on. As you heard on the interview, you just heard that was a year ago, and I already apologized to Coach Kyle Key about it not being out yet. But the cool thing is, is we can combo platter here and have a before. And after, maybe not even after, how about a now as the Plano boys basketball team just finished second in the 60th Plano Christmas Classic. Coach Kyle Key, I know that had to be a huge thrill. I know you wanted to win it, but to play a tough championship game and finish second had to be exciting. I tell you what, it was an unbelievable week, um, the way the guys played and to see that our gym completely full. I mean, it's normally full for that championship game, but some people are asking me how many people you think were at the game, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious. You just look at the wall and whatever the capacity was, that's what we had there. Um, it was absolutely crazy, and um, going right down to the wire, and we lost on the last second shot. Place was just up for grabs the whole time. And, uh, what an experience. I, never, I really never thought that we'd be in that position after all the years we've had where we've had a bunch of disappointments in that tournament. And, you know, the guy just kept making plays, and all of a sudden, there we were in the final, and you know, with the lead with uh, about five seconds left. You know, we thought we had it, but unbelievable shot, and, and they uh, they earned it, and, and it was uh, just a great experience for our kids, I think. I mean, you kind of said it yourself, you know, a lot of disappointments in this tournament. This has not been a home tournament feel for Plano over the years, so to kind of get, I don't know if you want to call it a hump, I don't know if you want to, you know call it got the elephant off your shoulders whatever you want to call it but it seems like the reapers were able to do it this year yeah i think you know what you see teams that kind of get hot in the tournament and you're just thankful it was us this year i think we, we started off against a really good morris team um who had just beaten caneland uh like a week before you know we weren't really happy with the way we were playing we had we had an injury to uh one of our more athletic kids and that really hurt us we had caneland and we lost by 11 to them and and then we played a really good Yorkville team who was coming along. Both just didn't play any defense. And, and we uh, they didn't like me for about a week and a half. Practices were not the easiest. And uh, we came out just, just ready to go against Morris and really played probably our best game of the year. And then we just kind of rode along. I mean, we knew Burlington Central next was obviously a quality team, one of the top 3A programs around. You know, the guys just played great and just held on kind of late. It's kind of up and down game, a lot of, a lot of trapping, a lot of running. and. And to take on Marmion, hard-nosed team, really quality 3A school, beat them in another close game. It just kind of kept going, and guys, you know, made shots when we had to. 
there seems to be always something happens at the end of games in this tournament that cost us. And uh, this year it kind of flipped. Didn't really see it coming. We were unseated coming in. And uh, I thought we played a pretty good schedule. We knew it was there, but finally put it all together. And, and the kids were just uh, playing unbelievable the whole tournament. What was different in this tournament from the regular season? I mean, to be unseated and not expect that, what changed to make this team win the games that it, that it did? I think there's a couple that I think our guards were finally started, quite frankly, just putting the ball in the basket. Uh, I thought we'd been taking good shots and, you know, we've had a lot of meetings with, with the kids and, you know, we just weren't playing up to expectations, I think, as far as the, the guards were. And then, then we had the injury to Kaliba. He missed three games there right before Christmas. His first came back was the Morris game. Uh, and he just adds so much to us as our best defender, post defender, and length, and gives us so much. And then Isaiah Martinez, our, our big 6'10 kid, you know, coming off a, a whole year injury with his knee where he didn't play at all. And he's starting to get into shape a little bit and getting through some of those, you know, first varsity, you know, issues that, that you can have as, you know, small little things. And we're just coming along, I think. And, and uh, it's a group that's pretty, pretty tight. And we've, uh, we've already had some ups and downs this year. I've lost some close games, and I think it was just, uh, you know, you get rolling, you know, and, and all of a sudden you start believing that good things can happen, and, and they tend to happen when you're like that. So I definitely thought that we had a chance to make a run in the tournament, but uh, with our history, I was ready for bad things to happen, to be honest with you, and, and they uh, just kept winning, and we are just riding along with them, and it got this community, you know, really behind them, uh, which is a pretty special thing. Uh, so many people... Uh, that I haven't seen in a long time or heard from. I'm getting texts or Twitter messages and just tell them how much they enjoyed watching us play and how hard they played. And pretty special uh, for a lifelong playing a person like me to see that type of, you know, like I said, people that uh, don't really know anything other than the Christmas tournament when it comes to playing no basketball. So uh, it was quite a week, and uh, this group will definitely be remembered for it. Awesome, good stuff. And for those that don't know, the Plano Christmas Classic always right in between Christmas and New Year's. So you probably had some Christmas presents. Then you finished second. Great showing at your tournament. And then, of course, the New Year ushering in 2024. So you've had a very exciting week, like you said. It was crazy. You know, it's it's one of those words. You know, normally it's exhausting afterwards, but, you know, you're happy to kind of have it over with. And You know, we were just playing so well and so many exciting things happening. You're just going to keep it going. but. Uh, you know, the last few days, New Year's, uh, you never know how you're, once the adrenaline kind of wears off, uh, it's been kind of exhausting <laughs> the last two weeks, just kind of getting everything caught up and, you know, trying to figure out how to lead this team, you know, after this situation and after that tough loss too. And I told the kids after the game, you know, normally you only, we've only had to make that kind of speech to a bunch of tears, you know, once a year at the end and to do it right in the middle. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how we're going to react to it. I hope it's uh, in a positive way and, and we can kind of look back and how great it was. So we're thinking we're going to be a pretty tough team to beat here second half. And um, hopefully we can really get playing back to where we were and maybe even better when we get to regional time. It's a unique situation after your team wins, plays well. Then you're like, hey, I don't know where else to go with this team or not where, where else, but what is next? Because, you know, it's something different. It's something unique. Yeah, and the you know the weird part is you know we were like I had said we we weren't really happy with the way we were playing. Um, you know, Caitlin beat us really good, and then Yorkville just uh, just beat us from the opening tip, and they're starting to make a run here too. But they got all their guys healthy. It seemed right in time. We just weren't happy with the way we were defending, and 
I worked them pretty hard this last week, and then to have this kind of run, I think we're understanding kind of what it takes a little bit uh, to be good and stuff. Because you know, how hard do you push? You know, do you do you think you have something figured out, and then you know you kind of let them just do it, or or do we need to keep pushing? So kind of get a read on them tomorrow. I gave them an extra day off today, which is pretty scary for a coach. Give them three days off, but I think after the emotion of last week, I think we could all use a little. Extra, they're coming in for like a little shoot around today, but we'll uh, when we're getting Morris on Friday, definitely gonna want a rematch with us, you know, after the way they kind of played in that first round. So, uh, we'll get pushed and you know, we'll see. I, th- I think my guys are up for it and just excited to get back in the gym with them, to be honest with you. And not just the teams that you beat like a Morris, but now that you have that kind of showing at your tournament, Plano Christmas Classic is paid attention to by the entire state, not just Plano, not just the surrounding area. Everybody knows what happens at that tournament. So people may now kind of sort of be gunning for you to say like, hey, they did so well here. Let's see how well they can play. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how quick that can happen. High expectations for this group. And I think that we you know, return just about everybody. And then uh, to include Isaiah into that. Uh, as a 610 guy with skill you know we had high expectations and we we had some uh some issues early on we, you know we were in the Ottawa tournament Thanksgiving tournament and you know weren't ready for Streeter to start the year and they beat us pretty good it was just one third in the in the tournament and you know we had a last second loss to to Princeton uh, in that tournament so we've had our issues uh, we lost by one to Woodstock North and just kind of you want to say bad luck tough losses you know where you just think that you're better than you are and that just not happening and uh hopefully we've kind of had some guys figure out their games a little bit and that's always a big part a lot of it is really just seniors figuring it out and not wanting to not wanting to lose anymore that goes a long way hopefully we can keep that up and you know we want to get a big win against morris friday night in their gym which is always a tough place to play and then we get back into our conference um so a lot of teams that really don't know us all that well our conference is kind of far away now so you know, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting. we got to come out every night, and that's the challenge for us right now. Last time we spoke, we spoke before you left the Interstate 8 to go to the Kishwaukee River Conference. Now you're in the Kishwaukee. What are you expecting? What are kind of the vibes with this first season in this conference? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little weird. It's a, it's a lot of teams that we really haven't really seen. You know, obviously Sandwich is still with us, but, you know, the Woodstock, Woodstock North, uh, Marengo, all those schools up there. They're teams that, that we haven't seen, haven't been on our schedule. And, uh, you know, now we got them twice a year. So uh, the drive is definitely something that, that we have to concern ourselves with. But to be honest with you, I don't think it's that big a deal. I always I always say the kids would be sitting at home on their phones or on the bus on their phones. So I don't know what the difference is. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's part of it. But it's, you know, going into some different gyms, it's always a different environment. And, uh, you know, I, I know when we get into some of those gyms, it's not going to be uh, close to, to what we've just played in in our tournament. So uh, that's going to be a little bit of adjustment. But uh, I think it's a, a good league. we got some, you know, teams that can shoot the ball really well. And uh, it should be everybody's played each other twice. So it should be uh, everybody's going to kind of beat up on everybody. And uh, I'm excited to see, you know, how it kind of goes here at the second half. I try to hold in my laugh as much as I could, but I couldn't. I just couldn't, Coach. Yeah, that's all right. It, yeah, those phones, you know, they need to be laying on their bed, talking on their phone, or sit on a bus doing it. So it's how we do it nowadays. It sure is, sure is. Through this, you know, entire conversation, 
you know, there's one huge takeaway is basketball's always changing. You know, the ball's going to say the same size, court, same size, basketball hoop, same height, but all the intangibles, all the dynamics, whether it's a team, a tournament, a season, a conference, everything is always changing. So from a journalist to a coach, you know, I feel for you guys sometimes because of all the changes you have to deal with on a yearly basis. Yeah, I mean, it's all part of the, the challenge of it, you know, like uh, like you would hope that after an experience that we just had, we you know, we would, uh, you know, be able to just kind of maintain and, and come out and do what we've been doing. But it doesn't work that way. And, you know, we're always trying to find that next challenge. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with 16 and 17 year olds, uh, you never know, you know, one uh, one bad relationship ends and uh, and you got a whole nother issue to deal with. So. Uh, there's always something. There's always another road trip. There's always a te- another team that gets hot, a bad matchup. You know, I'd, I'd love to sit around and just, you know, think about the tournament and how good it was, but uh, we got work to do. And uh, I know my seniors had said something about it when we were, you know, in the locker room afterwards and how we use this moving forward. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that we will, but uh, again, you, you never know what's ahead of you. You're, you know, it's nice to think about what happened last week, but. Uh, Really quick, we gotta we gotta move on and, and start playing tough teams again in our normal schedule. So that's that's kind of where our focus is now. And you know, definitely at the end of the year, we're gonna be looking back on how special our tournament was. No doubt, Coach Kyle Key with the Plano Reapers boys basketball team finished second at their Plano Christmas Classic. Now on to the regular season, like you said, conference right right now, like it's right here. Basketball season is flying by. Thank you so much for chatting with us. And you know we're going to be paying attention, watching, paying attention to see what the Reapers are going to do next. Thank you, Coach Key. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for uh, your coverage. And uh, basketball is exciting.